Welcome to My COVID Diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is My COVID Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic. I decided to chart my journey here. March 28th, 2020. Today would have been a fun day under normal circumstances. I was due to go to a huge music industry conference in Leeds with Paul, Beth and two friends, Beth's piano teacher Michelle and my bandmate Cathy. We were excited. There'd be information for Beth as an up-and-coming artist and we ladies would learn bits and pieces too. Plus, there's a fantastic bar opposite the music college that does amazing lunches and booze. Of course, it was cancelled. My other half has long been telling me to use my talents. It was him who encouraged me to do podcasts and it was him who encouraged me to play in a band. I've always played music, since I was about seven and learned piano. When I left home, I didn't play. A list of reasons, but one of them being a bully of a music teacher who told me I'd amount to nothing in life. Strangely, without a keyboard to play, I developed a nervous habit with my fingers when I was young, where I kept them moving all the time. I didn't realise how bad it was until I found out that some college acquaintances had nicknamed me Nintendo. I'm sure that habit was down to the fact that I stopped playing the piano. I used to sit at that keyboard for hours growing up. Mum, bless her, never told me to be quiet, even if I played late into the night. I guess any nervous energy I had was hammered onto the keys. The nervous habit stopped when I got married. The first present Paul ever bought me was a beautiful wooden music stand. He also bought me a piano and has continually encouraged me to play. I'm not good enough, I'd say. You are, just get on with it, was his answer. Over the years, I've experimented with all sorts. When the kids came along, I joined a djembe band, samba band, ukulele band, and finally joined a smaller band with some friends. It was in that smaller band that I started to do a little bit of backing vocals and improvised with a number of instruments, mouth organ, fiddle, melodica, uke, tin whistle. Never, though, did I venture near the piano, even though I'd played it for so long. The band I was in did covers. We did a few gigs, had some laughs, and some great cheese sandwiches every week in the pub where we practised. It was bizarre in many ways. I was in my late 40s, had just gone back to uni to do a creative writing degree, and it was a strange time to find your inner rock star. The kids thought it was hilarious. What's mum doing now? Sometimes they brought their friends along to gigs, And I couldn't help wondering, am I too old to be doing this? Paul was always there to remind me that one, I'm a pain in the arse and moody when I don't play music, and two, who cares what age I am? Gradually, I guess my music taste began to pull me away from that band a little. We all like different genres, I think. Two of us more country than the other two. As I got older, I started to like more and more Americana music and indie folk. I discovered a Canadian girl band I loved and wanted to explore. At the same time, I bumped into a friend I hadn't seen for years. Cathy and I met a long time ago when Beth was tiny and learning to play xylophone at a Saturday music school. Cathy and I always said we'd get together and sing. She was already in a band. I remember thinking how cool she was and wishing I was in one too. Life moved on 
Beth joined a new music group and I didn't see Cathy again until ten years down the line. So we got together and our harmonies just clicked. There's something about certain friends that it doesn't matter how long apart you are. It's just the same when you get together again. I'll come back to this later, but the thing about meeting up with Cathy was this. We liked the same music too, and it was fun. We called ourselves the Stolen Bows and imagined ourselves like Thelma and Louise without the driving off the cliff part. We'd giggle about having a tour bus and travelling all round the country. Nothing could stop us. Within a few months, we took on another band member, Simon, who plays mandolin and uke, and we did our first gig, and it went okay. We did more and got asked back, and a year later, we had at least seven paid gigs lined up, starting from April this year. We also started writing our own songs. It was fun. I'm telling myself that all of this is just on hold. I miss playing, though. I miss experimenting with new sounds. I rekindled my relationship with the piano, got over the fear of making a mistake and had just played a gig with a piano set in it. I'll get back to it, I hope. Beth's been occupying herself with writing a new song today. She's got an incredible talent and we've looked forward to her going to music college this summer and taking on the world. Now I'm a little worried though. I encourage both kids to be creative, to do what they love in life. But I don't know how our economy is going to recover from this time. The ramifications are bound to be huge. And at the back of my mind, the little goblin raises its head once more. Who will profit from this? Do we really have to shut down our global economy? Are we being blinded by fear? None of our journalists seem to be questioning anything. They trade on fear and seem to be spending their time looking for Britain's youngest victim, who, by the way, died of a heart attack, not corona. They're also ignoring the implications of the long-term effects of this lockdown. Voices questioning the logic of lockdown are being removed from social media. But fear makes us weak. We mustn't ever forget that. I can't see how small businesses are going to recover. Every day that passes is a reminder that life isn't normal that money isn't being made, that bills are waiting to be paid. I have friends who are panicked, fraught. I have no wise words, except focus on the here and now. Try not to think about it. Is that good advice or just bunkum? It's all I've got. Beth is as bright as a button. She'll adapt and is a good all-rounder. But with a voice like hers, it would be a tragedy to waste. Joe too will adapt, although it will be heartbreaking if he doesn't get to go off to uni in September, having worked so hard to save money for it. We'd only just booked his accommodation. I was so excited for him. But society is changing so fast just now, it's beyond recognition. Our Prime Minister came down with corona yesterday, which hasn't helped. Police powers are increasing, Parents are being told they'll be arrested if their kids are let out to play. This is surely over the top. Think hard about your answer to this type of question. Is it born out of fear? Do you have enough evidence that this fear is justified? Evidence, remember, is hard fact. It's not linked to emotions. Evidence goes like this. Many of those who have died from corona were elderly and in very poor health. Did they die of corona? 
or with it? I don't have the answer, but I'm interested in the question. Think about this. Between December 2017 and March 2018, there were 23,137 deaths in Scotland from flu. Let's just repeat that. 23,137 deaths in a, what, four-month period. Do you remember the media hype? The mass fear? Did society shut down? Look at the figures for corona and just sit with the thought for a while. This morning, we and our in-laws were running low on fresh supplies, so Paul nipped to Tesco to find that his shopping was policed. He was allowed only two meat products, despite trying to buy for vulnerable elderlies. I know this is complicated. People could lie and grab goods for themselves, but lots of people aren't lying. They're trying to help the vulnerable. We don't want our in-laws shopping, but most online deliveries are fully booked. Only one member of a family is allowed into the store at a time. What about single parents with young children? How will they cope without grandparents' help? And then there's the dobber-neighbour attitude that's creeping in. Again, this is divisional. But we have to stick together, not to turn on each other. We're giving away a lot of power at the moment and it's worrying. And what's more worrying is that no one's asking questions. We're almost begging the authorities to be allowed to do this. This is a climate of fear. This is what it can lead to. Today I heard from a university friend who moved from China in the 90s. He's been living there ever since. It made me smile to hear that he's been listening to the podcast. Another old friend I haven't seen since about 1997, but I know that if we met tomorrow, nothing will have changed. He still calls me Tux, an abbreviation of my maiden name for a start. I remember desperately trying to reach him during the huge earthquake back in Beijing a few years back. I eventually tracked him through a friend. Mike will have such a unique perspective on this thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Mike. However you get them to me. Airmail? It gave me a boost hearing my old chum was listening to the podcast. I've wondered at times if it's worth doing and should I continue. I can track listeners online and at the moment I'm averaging between about 30 or 40 per episode. It's early days and I need to stay positive. I'm aware that all these activities are a luxury right now. Music can bring in a little money and writing too. But I've yet to crack the big money. The way things are heading though, I may well end up working in the supermarket if this financial situation continues. God help those colour-coordinated yoghurt stalls. The point is, this podcast is precious. This time writing, thinking, it's precious. I'm increasingly aware of that. I'm missing home. Last night we did our first FaceTime with Paul's sister, which was fun, only I forgot that I was baking some bread in the oven. I ran through it the last minute and found it slightly overdone on top doesn't taste too bad. A little bit like Scottish Pride's plain loaf. Hence the homesickness. Whenever I go home, mum has it in the bread bin. You can only get it in Scotland. My mother doesn't trade in fear. 
When I expressed concern over her going to the pictures days before lockdown, she said, Andrea, if it's my time, it's my time. I can't just stop living. I don't want to stop living. I don't want to put other people's lives at risk either. But I would like some more information, more questions asked. Asking questions of situations that so many are prepared to accept takes courage. But I think right now, we do have to show some courage. We need it. I want to leave you with a couple of quotes. The first is from Steve Jobs. He says, Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. And the next quote is from Winston Churchill. I never thought I'd hear myself repeating what a Tory Prime Minister said, but actually this makes a lot of sense. He said, Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. <laughs>